Welcome, Spartans. This is Spartan Up Podcast. Today we've got a great interview. Joe, Joe went out and interviewed a young, young, dynamic CEO, founder, entrepreneur of uh, Thrive Market. Right? Nick Green. This is, what's that? Nick Green. Nick Green. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Nick, Nick Green's his name. Uh, great young man who uh, has founded a, a company to bring affordable and accessible healthy foods to, to I guess, middle class, the, the class, to the masses and make it easy. But also during this talk, we really found out more about fear and the fear of failure. So he got, as Joe does, we got a little bit deeper on that. So um, Getting below those soil horizons. Yeah. So, um, but who are we, you know? I, I don't know. Who are we, Seth? I don't know. I ask myself every day. We have Colonel Nye. I'm Colonel, Colonel Nye. Tim Nye. Retired. He's a, retired, Colonel. Yes, sir. Retired. Absolutely. Yep. I'm um, still active duty seed huntress, Sephra. We have uh, Johnny Waite, the mind doctor. That's Dr. Laura, but he's the OG <laughs> mind doctor. And Lonnie Main, who's uh, Red Shoes Living and also the moderator of Spartanx. And behind our camera, as always, the ever faithful and wonderful Marion, uh, producer and director. And um, yeah, this is a great interview. You know, I think it's super honest. What do we do here, Johnny? What do we do on these interviews? You know what, Spartan, we are your grit and resiliency partner. We're now up to six days a week where us or our fellow hosts are bringing you tidbits, nuggets, interviews. The interviews are every Tuesday. They get released. But every other day, too, we have uh, special tricks and tips to help you be powerful. Um, so we want you to subscribe. We want you to subscribe. We want you to like. We want you to comment, engage with us, because our mission is to rip a million people off the couch, get them out there. It's going to be your friends, your family. You're already watching, but we want to help your friends and family, too. So subscribe, comment, engage with us. I think soon it's going to be eight days a week. We'll just add an extra day to the week. It's not a Spartan song? day. And, and why, <laughs> why, why should they stick around? St- stick around to the end. There are four different perspectives here on Nick Green. You're going to love it. This episode of Spartan Up is brought to you by Luminox, the official timing partner of Spartan Race. Visit Luminox.com and use code SPARTAN10 to get 10% off your next order. We are here in the hills of Malibu, where it's, I gotta admit, it's pretty damn nice with Nick Green from Thrive Markets. If you haven't heard of Thrive Markets, you're gonna, you're gonna learn what this is all about here in a minute. But here's a guy that had um, probably the opposite of what we're used to at Spartan and what we talk about, which is like a really tough uh, upbringing, maybe a drug addiction, a divorced parents, didn't get into school. And you just told me like everything was perfect. <laughs> you might say that. You, you, um, but, 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 but it's an interesting thing that I think yeah. we could learn from. Yeah. So, so great grades. Yeah. I, I was like, I was your like point dexter kind of perfect child growing up in the, you know, the suburbs in the Midwest, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, you know, stay at home mom, dad climbing the corporate ladder. I got perfect grades in school, perfect score on the SAT, and I thought I'd be a lawyer. Like perfect, perfect score on the SAT. Perfect score on the SAT. <laughs> I was like, I was that guy. So how, how do you, how do we listening and myself produce kids like that? Uh, one, I don't think you want to produce kids like that. I had, I had zero resiliency, right? I was, I was good at working in the system. I was good at checking the boxes. I was good at creating a college application. In fact, I was basically a walking college application. Um, but I didn't know anything about life. I didn't know anything about how to build a business. I didn't know anything about how to deal with failure. I never had to deal with failure myself. And what, but how did your parents? How did your parents create? Whether we want to do that or not, how did they do that? Well, I think well. So my parents were incredibly supportive, and ultimately, I wouldn't have been able to step out of that like quest for perfection and become an entrepreneur had I not had their support. I think the the kind of anal retentive, super type A perfectionist was 
I don't, I don't even know if that was for my parents. I think that was just me. Just you. Brothers and sisters? Or no? I, have two, I have a brother and a sister. Exactly the same? Uh, totally different. Really? Uh, my, I mean, my brother went to Yale. He's a brilliant guy, uh, but laid back, chill, relaxed. Um, he's a musician, an artist. Uh, huh. Now actually works with me at Thrive. But um, Sister? Uh, sister is like super social, fun, really smart also, but, you know. None of them were as type A as I was. I was probably the least likely to be an entrepreneur. You, you were youngest? I was the oldest. You were the oldest. Okay. So that probably had something to do with it. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, my oldest son is, is definitely more type A than the rest of the crew. Yeah. yeah. And I have an artist in there. My daughter's <laughs> an artist. And, and the other one's a little more like your brother. So maybe it's just the order yeah, at which the kids like, come I think it's, it's birth order. And I think it was something to just kind of how you're wired, right? Sure. Um, so, so I don't know how old you are now, but like you come out of Harvard. It was actually before I came okay. out of Harvard that I okay. started my first company. Okay. Um, and I, you know, I like to say I'm an, I was an accidental entrepreneur. I never would have left Harvard and gone and said, I'm going to start a business. That was like, you know, I was going to go to the LSAT, go to law school, you right. know, follow the, the very beaten path to success. Um, but I, I started teaching SAT classes in my hometown. Uh, while uh, at Harvard. While I was at Harvard during yeah. the summer. Um, you know, I was, what, year, I was what a, year was that? This was like 2003, 2004. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, I was a little bit of a kind of hometown celebrity because I'd done so well on the test and because I was going to Harvard. And, uh, and so, you know, that first summer I worked with like 200 kids and okay. saw the demand for test prep. And our whole thing was we're not going to charge $1,000 like Princeton Review and Kaplan. We sure. weren't in an area where people could afford that. So we charged 300 and you know, kind of took the market, and uh, a couple years into that, I was, you know, making really good money. It's a profitable business, and I said, why don't I teach other kids from Harvard, and then eventually from other Ivy League schools, and then eventually other colleges to do this too. So I started a company called Ivy Insiders, um, Mm -hmm. and had no idea what I was doing, no experience in business, and honestly, the first, it was like the hardest experience I've ever had, because I finally had to deal with failure. I made so many mistakes, I screwed so many things up, um, but, you know, was really fortunate to, to uh, kind of the business model itself really had legs. And we, uh, we grew that to about 600 branches around the country. No kidding. And then got acquired in 2011. Wow. That's unbelievable. And, and you were a sophomore or a junior? Where were you? In- I was a freshman when I started teaching the classes. Okay. I was a sophomore when I, you know, renamed it Ivy Insiders and started the micro-franchise model. Uh, and then, you know, I was 26 when I sold the business. And... You know, I truly, not only was I an actual entrepreneur, I like to say I failed my way to success. And that entire period to me was like unlearning. Everything that I had learned was key to success. Like, follow the rules, check all the boxes, don't take risks, like do what other people do to be successful. All those things I had to unlearn. And it was like, break the rules, do things differently. Don't worry about failure. Like, be willing to jump in the deep deep end of the, all the stuff that requires real resilience. And, um... You know. It's a hard thing, by the way. I was just on the phone with some employees yesterday, and um, they're very much, most, most kids are very much like you described. They want to follow the rules. They know their, their path to success. And as an entrepreneur and the CEO, you're trying to tell them, hang on a second. We, yeah, you got you to be disruptive. You've got to be, be willing to think outside the box. And, you know, on the edge a bit. Yeah, well, you can't go too far, right? right? Like right. You, you, There's like, you're, you're going down the river, and there's like one side is, is, is rigidity, and one side is chaos. And you want to lean towards the chaos, but you don't want to you know, fall, in, uh, fall sure. into the bank. Um, look, I, I disagree with the notion. Like, there are some people that tend one way or the other, um, but everybody can be creative. Everyone can be entrepreneurial. And you can train yourself to be resilient and to, uh, 
and to handle failure. It's just like any other muscle you can develop it. Sure. And it's just like anything else. The more times you do it, the more used to it that you get. And so uh, I had zero experience my first 18 years with that, with failure of any type. And I you know, caught up for that over the next six years that with my business. Um, and it's the best thing that ever happened to me because it liberated me to do whatever I wanted afterwards. It's like yeah. once, you, once you aren't worried about failing, you know, the world you, starts you to go open for up. It. Yeah. My dad used to say, my dad was like an unbelievable entrepreneur, and he, sa- he used to say, you have to have the stomach for it. Totally. Like, and, and I argue with my wife often that like, running a business is harder than giving birth. Now, <laughs> <laughs> That's a dangerous argument. It's a dangerous argument. But like, I, you know, I was in a bad car accident, and my leg was ripped out of my hip, which I would say would be on par with like, giving birth, I would think. I don't know. Um, and running a business is harder than that. Because everything that can go wrong does go wrong. Do you agree? Or it's, I mean, it's, look, I've never, had, I've never given birth and I've never <laughs> had my leg ripped out of the socket. So I don't, I don't know. What I would say is, though, I've never had physical pain that's anywhere near as difficult as some of the emotional pain, that egoic pain of confronting failure. And it's not actually the failure that's, that's bad. It's the fear of failure, right? It's the anticipation that something could go wrong. What if I'm rejected? What if I mess this up? that is really painful. And that's the part that most people just don't even want to go near with a 10-foot pole. Because uh, you're saying the failure itself is not as bad. Once you actually fail, it's like you sort of figure it out. Dust right? it off. Yeah, you dust it off. Right. And, like, and, then, and that's when you start to realize and become resilient. Sure. Um, but I think that most people, you know, we're like, I, I, I compare kind of modern life as like we're all like animals in the zoo, right? Like yeah. you rewind the clock thousands of years ago and like, we were having to deal, we were having to confront fear in a very visceral, real way, sure, right? right? Every single day. Lion comes out. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right. right. Yeah. Like, we live, in a, we live in a cage where, like, everything's taken care of for us. The zookeeper feeds us. We, yeah. like, walk around our cage during the day. Yeah. And there's no real risk, right? right. Yeah. The other analogy I like to use is I think we're, in a, we're, like, in a video game where you have, a, you know, unlimited lives. You can just, like, keep failing and nothing happens, yeah, right? right? If you, like, make one false step when you're hunting saber-toothed tigers, shit, shit, goes, shit goes bad South, quickly, real, real right? fast, yeah. Um, and, and yet, you know, we're wired to be afraid of things in the same way that, you know, we needed to be back in our evolutionary past. So it's like, I think there's an, there's an unlearning process that, you know, once you get used to it, uh, you realize that emotional pain ain't so bad. And like, not, you not only get that, it. it sounds like with your experience, um, it becomes attractive. Well, it becomes attractive because it actually, you start to associate it with, with progress like you realize that actually like the idea of failure leading to success is not an oxymoron like every success is like you fail your way to success and and so you start to you know it's it's like any other it's like you know people in the physical world too right like with like people that run Spartan races people that are any kind of endurance athlete they learn to actually associate pleasure with the pain and I think it's the same thing at an emotional level as an entrepreneur like you realize if it's really hard if you're really struggling you're probably on the right path Sure. And you, you embrace yeah. it. All right, let's take a, a break. Why don't you and I go to the zoo, yeah. and we'll go feed some of the animals, and then we'll come back. <laughs> Sounds great. This episode of Spartan Up is brought to you by Luminox, the official timing partner of Spartan Race. Luminox is the watch brand of choice when it comes to overcoming tough obstacles where every second counts. Visit Luminox.com and use code SPARTAN10 to get 10% off your next order. We're at the zoo. That was um, very much like what it is today. I mean, you got Netflix, right? You just push a button. Food is delivered on to, like... It, it, we're domesticated animals. We're domesticated you know, animals. We're domesticated animals, and life is, life is pretty simple. Yeah. And so, um, 
So you became resilient, though. You, and you went through some tough times with your second business. You know, it's interesting. The first business was the hardest. I, I compare it to being on a roller coaster, uh, but not knowing you're strapped in. Right? That's sort of what entrepreneurship is the first time. It's like it turns out you actually don't fall off the tracks, but every twist and turn, every loop you think you're going to, scares the shit out of you. Um, So that was the first business. The second business, uh, you know, is realizing, hey, I can do this. Failure can lead to success. And I want to do it at a bigger scale. I want to do it on a project that has more meaning to me personally. uh, And I want to do it with partners. Uh, One of the biggest lessons from the first business for me was I suck at a lot of things. Uh, And, you know, again, like in school, you try to be good at everything, right? And you try to, like, you know, you're, you're competing and whatever. In business, you don't get any extra points for being the one that gets something done. Sure. Uh, you, you get points on the board by making sure that they get done the best possible. So, uh, you know, my second business, uh, Thrive Market. Uh, so, wait, 2011 you sell? 20, uh, 2011 we sold. So, yeah. when, when does the next business start up? 2013. So, so I had two a, year off? I had a one-year one earnout, okay. one-and-a-half-year earnout. So I was an indentured servant, uh, you know, truly a caged animal at that point. Yeah. Uh, and then I moved out to L.A. for the year and out. The company that bought us was L.A.-based. Um, and then rolled off and was an entrepreneur in residence at a startup accelerator, uh, doing angel investing, looking for my next thing, and met my co-founder, Gunnar. Nice. And so 2013 it starts? 2013 it starts. And, and uh, all easy from there? Uh, <laughs> hardly. Uh, you know, the, it's... Thrive Market, we're trying to make healthy living accessible to anybody. So we basically are Costco meets Whole Foods online. We've got the best-selling organic products you find at a health food store, 25 to 50% off through a membership model. The vision of making healthy living affordable and accessible, Gennar pitched me on actually as an investor. Uh, at the time, he was calling it Shop Tribe. So Gennar pitches me on, on health, making healthy living accessible. And I'd probably been pitched by 500 entrepreneurs as, at the Startup Accelerator. I'd invested in maybe 10 companies. You know, I've been iterating on my own ideas. And by the end of that meeting, I was pitching him on doing something together. And you know, the business model evolved and changed. The name of the, the business changed. But that vision has stayed the same since day one. And uh, you know, that was the first criterion for me is... I want to have. I wanted to do something that had massive impact. Um, I wanted to do something that was mission driven. Um, but because I also you had, you had made money before. Because I'd just, made money before, and it was it was rewarding. Right. But the most rewarding thing, actually, in the first company, was that we helped tens of thousands of kids who wouldn't have been able to otherwise afford test prep get into better colleges. Right. And that wasn't what I set out to do. But when I looked back, I was like, that's you did, what you I did achieve something great. That's, yeah. And that's what I cared about. And but yeah. it was on a small scale. And you know, the one thing more fundamental than education is health. So, you know, and Gennar pitched me, again, I turned around and started pitching him, and, uh, and uh, it was a gut-level decision. Like, I'm a, I'm a methodical decision-maker normally, but I would, if I went back to the, every single big decision that I've made in my life that has been an inflection point was made at the gut. Right. Uh, which yeah, but, is that, like, that, but that doesn't mean you're not thinking. Your mind may My be. mind is thinking, but right. the truth is I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Right. Like, had I actually known how hard it was going oh, to be, no. back to your question about yeah. it was smooth sailing, if I had known how hard it was going to be, I wouldn't have done it. Right. Um, like, we poured hundreds of thousands of dollars of our own money into the business, right. uh, initially building a website with an outside consulting agency that basically screwed us. Uh, so we ended up with no website. Uh, we got rejected by 50-plus VCs when we went out to raise money. Uh, nobody believed that middle-class, middle America wanted to get healthy. Uh, you know, it was the most humbling experience of my life. Sure. And I remember b- believing that we were going to have to fold before we even launched. Uh, and was, you know, talking to my buddy John Durant, who now runs Wild Ventures, uh, who happened to know some influencers in the health and wellness space and said, hey, you should talk to my friend Mark Sisson. Maybe he could invest. 
and Mark wrote a, a $50,000 check, and uh, Katie, Katie at Wellness Mama uh, came in, and you know the ball got rolling, and all of a sudden we've got 150 health and wellness influencers investing in the company, and uh, that was one inflection point in the business where failure led to success, right? Sure. Rejected by VCs, brought in the influencers. The other was we you know, spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on a website, didn't work, brought in our third co-founder, our CTO, Sasha, who's the best partner I've ever worked with in a business, most brilliant uh, guy I've ever worked with in a business, and he's been a game changer too. So, um, Yeah, you can't do it alone, right? You need a team around you to, to help make it happen. Totally. And again, that was a that is... To me, one of the, was one of the biggest lessons from the first business. It's like you learn what you're good at, and you learn what you're bad at, and you learn there's fill, a lo- fill those holes. And you learn that there's a lot. Like for me, I learned that there's a lot more things I'm bad at than what I'm good at. Sure. Like there's actually a pretty narrow range of things that I'm the best at. So you just stick at and, those things, and everything else, I want to have. I want to find someone else who's the best at those things. Sure. And you know, on Thrive, the beautiful thing is, you know, one. When we when we're able to do that, being able to bring someone incredible in who drives leverage and growth and, and power in the business, that's doing something good. It's also been able to put us on a on a trajectory that was never possible in my first business. You know, my first business, I was sort of the like king of my little island. Sure. In the second business, uh, you know, everybody on my executive team is like you know ten best times better, ten times better than me at what they do. Um, and you know we're at you know three orders of magnitude bigger scale as a result. So so in retrospect, then if somebody's out there listening and starting a business, right? There's nothing more important than the team. I think not is a what same, you're not, there's nothing even remotely close. The, the team is more important than everything else combined, including the business idea. Right. Because with the right team, you, they'll figure out the business idea is wrong, and then and you'll, make, and you'll, and you'll, and you'll pivot. And, but then I heard you talk earlier, and you were talking about, uh, at least in the foreseeable future, the number one thing to focus on is? Well, so we've got the team. Right. Uh, we've got the opportunity out in front of us. You know, I like to say it's our, it's our game to lose, and the only, only way we don't become the leader in healthy living, uh, in healthy living grocery, is if we trip on our own shoelaces. So the biggest thing for us is customer acquisition efficiency right now. Like We've gotten to massive scale. We've got high-quality customers um, to get to profitability. You know, our business has raised over $100 million. We're not profitable today. To get to profitability, we have to be able to acquire customers efficiently at scale. Right. Um, and right now, uh, we're almost there, but we're going to get better. All right. and, and is that, I mean, with Google and Facebook and all the traditional methods of acquiring customers charging more and more, you just got to increase conversion rate? I mean, those markets are so efficient at this point. Like, yeah. there's just, you're not going to win anymore by having a better you know, bidding strategy than the Facebook algorithm. Right. Uh, so you know, early on, what we did is we, we leveraged the influencers. I think there's another leg now as we improve our funnels to continue leveraging influencers. But fundamentally, to scale, you've got to be able to use the big channels, and you've got to have a funnel that converts. So you know, we, I don't know how interesting this will be for, for, for most viewers, but for anyone in internet marketing or anyone who's an entrepreneur, hopefully this is helpful. Uh, the major driver of customer acquisition efficiency at this point is not your media strategy. It's not your channel mix. It truly is the, fu- the funnel, the product experience on site, uh, and where we found already you know, two, three, four x impacts on conversion. Uh, it's only been in fundamentally cha- changing the way we communicate and pe- bring people in through a funnel. To give it, one example would be, we historically brought people in in their first shopping experience. They get dropped on the site. Shop for yourself. At Thrive, that means you got to add 10 or so items into your cart to clear the free shipping threshold. That can take anywhere from 30 to 50 minutes. 
you have follow up throughout that, play, that, that process. Now what we do is leverage our data science capabilities. We build a quiz. We pre-populate people's carts based on the quiz, which 85% of people complete once they start. Um, and, you know, lo and behold, conversion goes up dramatically. So those are the kinds of changes that can then create step function improvements in, in acquisition. Right. Final, finally, uh, what do you say to those out there that are on the fence? They're like, About I don't what? know if I want to start a business or not. I'm not sure. I'm not really happy with my job because most people yeah. are not happy yeah. with their jobs. Uh, you went way out of your comfort zone twice. Yeah, I would say basically what I, what I said earlier, lean into fear. Uh, take fear as a signal that you're doing something that's actually going to create value and that's actually going to, uh, going to move you forward. If it were easy, everyone would have done it and then it, and then it just like the opportunity wouldn't exist. Sure. So fear is a good thing and the you know I've got a bunch of like analogies or metaphors. The one that I like is the you know you're standing on the edge of the swimming pool, you know it's going to be you know it's going to be cold, just jump in. Like you'll figure it out. Don't even think yeah, about don't, it. Don't even think about it. Fi- like figure it out. And know that we're we're in a video game where you have a thousand lives and I like right. Until if you're you, dead. If, if you, yeah, until you're <laughs> dead, right? right? But, like, let's use all those lives while you're alive, right? And yeah. if you screw it up, like, you can go back and get your job or get one just as good. Yeah. Like, there's uh, very, very few things do permanent damage. And, you know, again, we're at the only period in human history where that's the case. Like, you were a fool not yeah, to take advantage point. of that. Good point. In the old days, we, you and I might not have run out in the prairie no, alone. The sta- that, no, the stakes, dangerous. <laughs> yeah, the stakes were high. Yeah. Now it's, uh, it's, all, it's all a game. In the zoo. We're all in the zoo. You're awesome. Thanks. Yeah, so this was a really interesting interview for me. I mean, what I got from Nick Green, a brilliant guy, clearly. You learned that right off the bat, had this great childhood, but very tight individual, and I mean that as a compliment. Everything was very orderly, and he had things in place in his life, and he learned that to step outside of the box and, and get uncomfortable and failure, that was going to be part of his success. Most of the leaders I've worked with that are type A and are tight have a hard time stepping outside of that box. In fact, it pains them, and, and he figured it out. He's figured out how to do that. So I was really impressed with that. Well, we have learned through many of these podcasts and through Joe's kind of teachings and some of the people we've talked to, you know, winning success feels good. I mean, it's an actual chemical feeling, right? Serotonin. You got, serotonin. You go out and you run the race. You, you, you do your best and you're excited about the next race, right? We talk about the future, yeah. future memory and all of those kinds of things. So what you're really asking is for somebody not to feel good. We talk about comfort zone, but we're really talking about, okay, we know you're happy and you're successful and you feel good. Uh, do you want to feel bad? No, no, I don't. I want to keep winning. So it, it is tough to kind of... Or you don't know how over. good you can feel. Well, there's, well, a, there's a good bridge. Right, but there's you a, have to... Go ahead. I was going to say there's a good bridge there in that what we associate with feeling bad, so we all want to win, and we, we play small because we want those wins. Right. I'd rather have this win than fail, but it's only in stretching and failing, right? He, what's he talking about, too? He says... um. Uh, that you want to be disruptive, you want to push the edge, but you got to knock go over the edge. Far, yeah. But the idea that um, that what we as- initially associate with failure being, oh, I'm bad, I didn't succeed. Eventually, as we start to use that, we start to associate that 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 fear and that failure with, oh yeah, this is what happened last time, right before I broke through, and so we, we actually it's, rewire ourselves. It's it's more experimentation than failure. Right. That's what Joe always says. We always quit right before you hit that precipice of success because that's when it's hardest. And, and the reason that we stop before that is because historically, you know, you go way back, uh, you used a great, um, a great uh, word in the last one. What is our memory that we have? Epigenetic, Epigenetic our ancestral memory. memory. Well, because our ancestors, you know, many, many generations ago, if they screwed up, 
they got eaten by a bear. Yeah, right. or right. their right. family's yeah. done, or you have different. no other and, options, and, and, or you're impoverished. And so, so we're wired for the wild, but we're in a zoo. We really are in a zoo. Wired for the wild. Our food's taken care of. We order in. We're here. We got air conditioning. We got all these things. And yet we treat every situation as though it's life and death. And it's not. I loved, he said, we're wired for the wild, but we're, we're really in a video game. We do have a thousand lives. You know, he said, I failed my way to Knock success. I wood. failed and I failed and I failed and I failed and I kept hitting reset. Oh, and all of a sudden I succeeded. Right? Yeah, and, you get the, and you get the sense that he surrounded himself with people that when he stepped outside of the zoo, so to speak, yeah. and, and looked around, even if he failed, they picked him back up. I mean, he's a quick learner. The guy's a smart well, guy. That, that's, so. It's yeah. funny you'd say quick learner. When Johnny was talking, I was thinking when he's talking about ancestors, you don't want to be the slow learner. Yeah, right, sure, right. Sure. I mean, right. that's the worst thing you could be. Is yeah, yeah. is the guy to figure it out last. That's the guy that gets yeah, eaten. That's the guy. Yeah. Yeah. What's vegetarian? The um, the indigenous word for Food. bad hunter. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's hilarious. But but the thing that I say, I mean, a lot of this does come from a position of comfort and privilege to be able to have these types of decisions and play with this type of failure. Um, an analogy I like to use, Lonnie, welcome to my plan analogy world. Okay, when you seed a tomato, okay, you transplant that tomato, but it grows up. There's a lot of vegetative growth, okay? And before you transplant that into a bigger pot, first of all, you can plant it up pretty high in its neck or the roots, right? Even a lot of stuff we have from our foundational learning, that gets buried in. Healthy part of the soil helps send out those roots that are like holding up your real structure of your fruiting body. Also, a lot of the stuff he says we need to unlearn, you know? A lot of that vegetative growth in the beginning, they're suckers. It's not actually real fruit-producing branches. So even though it looks like a plant, break it off, break it off. Colonel Nye, his wife gardens. You garden too. You can I, stick I, with me here. I I'm water. He waters the garden. <laughs> water. But even the tomato plants, it sends out flowers, right? It sends out early fruits, but you pluck those off too. Why? Because when you take all that excess off, you're re-gathering that energy down to be able to actually, when it fruits, to have prolific fruiting, and that's what you're looking for. So what are some of the things you need to prune out of your life, even if you've learned it and they seem like helpful things, that maybe aren't helping be like the fruiting bodies you're, you're aiming for now? And we're trying to Did make... Did that make sense, Carl? It made perfect sense, but we're, we're trying to take individuals and help them maximize their, their abilities. Maximize their, your yield. You've got to prune uh, some stuff. Right. But I think, you know, what's interesting is that when you're talking about checking all the boxes, the boxes are there for the masses. Right? I mean, if you stay within all these boxes and you follow this proven path... That's how path, they control society. You, I don't know about control, but this is how you're going to survive. <laughs> yeah. And so there are a percentage of those people within that who will step outside and push that box a little bit over, more further there right, left, whatever, been, right? up, down, however you want to say it. But boxes are there for a reason. Yeah, and I think it creates compression. I think people get stuck in the box or in the barrel, as I like to talk about, and they don't know they're there. And again, you get the sense from him that it probably happened to him at times, and somebody pulled him up or he pulled himself up. You know, you race out here in Spartan, you get to an obstacle, and all of a sudden you get to the other side of something very difficult, and you change. The flower starts to grow again, and your confidence starts (laughs) to build, right? You know what kind of barrel I like is those people that used to stuff themselves. (laughs) Those people that used to stuff themselves in a barrel and launch over Niagara Falls. I know one of those. No, I know one of those. You do? I do. I'm not going to talk that about that. True what, what I do want to talk about shot. quickly, just because um, uh, Nick's such an interesting guy, and we talk so much about his story. Um, you know, we didn't really talk at all about um, about his his company, Thrive, mm-hmm. and and I do love the idea that he says. Um, Good, healthy, organic food is not just for these people. And and his mission was to say, how can I make this for everybody? And he said he was real good at making money. He found ways to make money, but he said I, it needs to be more than just make money. It needs to be a mission. I want to change the world, much like Joe wants to do with Spartan. Triple bottom line. And um, yeah, the triple bottom line exactly. And so you know this his mission with Thrive Markets to to make healthy, organic, nutritious eating easy and accessible for everyone else. I, I love that mission too. Yeah, I mean it's just so obvious, right? I mean like. 
with all of these different things, your first order of medicine, folks, is your food. Like how many times? It doesn't matter. I mean, I get that it's more expensive. I get all these things. Also, seeds are really easy to grow, even in an urban environment, even in pots on your windowsill, and you're cutting down your food costs a lot. Eat good food, and everything else gets better. Just True story. Eat good, eat good food. <laughs> and a lot of it if it's available. Yeah. It's so accessible. Right. I mean, how often do you have to, like, you know, buy the pens that have the fluffy thing on top of it when you just, you know, spend that money on some nuts and seeds? Anyways, if you want to hang out with these nuts and seeds again, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see you next week. Hey, Spartans, this is Marion out from behind the scenes. We need your help. We want to rip 100 million people off the couch. We think this podcast will help them. We're here to be a partner almost every day of the week to keep you on track and give you support as you build your resilience for mind and body. Whether you listen to interviews on Tuesday on Spartan Up or come back any other day of the week for Spartan Way with Zach Evanesh, Spartan Mind with Dr. Lara, Spartan Stand with Brian Shantosh, Spartan Athlete with Matt B. Davis or Kevin Galati, Spartan Health with Nada Milosevic. Help us build our audience. Help us spread the word. Hit subscribe on YouTube. Hit subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's all free. Leave us comments. Leave us reviews. But most importantly, tell your friends. See you next week. This episode of Spartan Up is brought to you by Luminox, the official timing partner of Spartan Race. Visit Luminox.com and use code SPARTAN10 to get 10% off your next order. 